We've been talking about the prodigal son and the father's love. And I've had this uh, sort of response in my heart for, since I was in South Africa, actually. Because a little bit of what I'm sharing this morning I got from a guy who was speaking there, so I have to give him credit. Because um, I want to talk about, we talked about the prodigal son. You know the story of the prodigal son. The prodigal son's the one who, who left and he took everything with him. We've, I say this every week and I know it could get boring, but he takes everything with him. And he goes into a foreign land and he's going to live life on his terms with the resources that his father gave, by the way. He didn't earn them. But, uh, and he sort of spent that until the point where there was nothing left. And he comes home, going to be a servant. He comes home having tried his philosophy, tried his style of living and breaking himself. And coming home... Guilty, coming home poor, coming home nothing like the one who left so confident. To be met by a father who rushes down and meets him sort of on the top of the hump and says, I'm so glad you're home. Here's a, here's a coat, here's a car, here's everything you need. And he goes, I don't deserve it. He says, I know you don't deserve it, but I love you. And, and you were dead and you're alive. And I'm so glad I'm not putting you in a box. I'd rather put you in a car. Because that's the kind of father I am, and that's the kind of father you left, but you didn't realize it at that stage. And he had a brother, another brother who was an older brother, who never left home because he didn't have the guts to rebel, and he didn't have the guts to do anything other than get jealous. So he got jealous about the way his father had treated his brother, and his whole life in the farm and on the farm and with his father was left in resentment and anger and jealousy. And on the surface, he looked like an obedient, compliant brother, but at the end of the day, the father would have said to you, He's a difficult son. He's so morose. He doesn't speak at, you know, doesn't speak at table or he grunts. And he says, you know, stop talking about the son that's not here. I'm here. And so he wasn't as attractive as he might have looked. And, and the father goes out to him as well and, and, and says, come back in. Your, your brother who is dead is alive. You've got to rejoice. Because he couldn't rejoice. Because when you're jealous and you're angry and you feel like you've missed out, you don't like music and laughter. You're way too cynical. You're way too angry. You're way too self-absorbed. You're so busy churning over your stuff, you can't rejoice over anything else. Because you use the phrase like, if you only understood, it's not fair. And these two boys were brought back into the father's banqueting hall, really, and they, they had a huge feast, and the music played, and he said, now let's live from this place. So the question comes to mind as to, so what do you do? When you've been found. What do you do when you've been reconciled? What do you do when you come to the revelation that you can't live life on your own? Like the younger brother. Or you can't live life with an attitude of anger and resentment because it kills you inside. And, and what helps is if we stay at home now, we just medicate it. But what happens then? Now, there, there are a lot of places in Christianity that, that will say that all that matters is you come home. So once you get home, as long as you're saved, which means that Jesus, you, you receive Jesus' death on the cross, as, you know, as long as that's there, then all you do is come to church every week. Which, of course, I don't think is the Father's heart at all. It's much more than that, and that's what we want to talk about. This is a talk about how to hear God, how to know God, and how to live fruitfully for Him. It's so simple, you're going to just go, oh my word, that's way too simple. 
Every single person here hears God all the time. We have to dial down and stop being religious. God's not religious. He doesn't speak in a religious voice. A spirit of religion does, but the Father doesn't. He doesn't speak in a religious voice. He's very, very compassionate. He's also very wise, and he's absolutely committed to truth. So he speaks to us in all kinds of ways, and he's always working. And his desire when he has those brothers come in is to say, let's work the farm together. So there's, there's a legitimate, legitimate question to say, so why have you been saved? Or why has Jesus, or why has God drawn you to himself? Do you think that the only, do you think that the only thing on his agenda is that you would come to know him as father? Are we, just mull this through with me. Are, are we so, and don't get offended, are we so self-absorbed that the whole of creation, the whole purpose of Jesus is just so that we can be found and come to know him as father and live in a banquet and eat lamb for the rest of our lives? Do you think that there's any more than that? Do you think that, you know, when I was rescued, when I was drowning, I was rescued in order that I might live? Pretty much everything you do, you do in order that. There's an in order that. You kind of go, and what then? And what then? If any story ends, you go, I wonder what happened then. There's always some more. And that's how God actually has created us. And what then? And what now? And he is the most amazing person, so he goes, well, there's more. But many of us, many of us still have a, a default to an Egyptian lifestyle, which means it's very limited. So we settle for so little. Or we spend the next 25 years arguing with one another about the most incredibly stupid things in Christianity and going from church to church. and We spend all our time just fighting each other kind of a real immature way to live. So the Father is speaking to you today. And he's speaking to me. And he's speaking to you every day of the week. You remember when Jesus was with his disciples, he didn't call them and say, say just, you know, just follow me and I'm just going to go and have a big banquet. And you know, when we have the wedding of Cana, we'll turn water into wine. We'll do that every evening with dinner. I'll just do miracles to make your life easy. We'll multiply, so we don't need lots of stuff. We'll just multiply it, and we'll just sit around, be buddies, and have food and drink. He doesn't. He says, follow me. And then he says this strange thing in Matthew 26, um, which is quite, it's a clue. Matthew 26, he says this. I'll just read it to you. He's talking about his suffering. He's talking about going away. And then he says in verse 29 of Matthew 26, he said, uh, after Judas has betrayed him, I tell you, I will not drink from this fruit of the vine from now on until the day when I drink it new with you in my father's kingdom. He was sharing wine as we do uh, at, at communion. And he said, I won't do this again until you're with me at the end of time, as we know it. In John 5, he says this about his father, 517 Jesus was being accused about doing something on the Sabbath by the Pharisees and the Jewish leaders began to persecute him. Jesus said, my father is always at his work to this very day and I too am working. And there's this whole implication out of Jesus, you know, few lines that he throws away during his ministry that the father and he are at work. 
And he actually calls his disciples to join them in that work. Because he says later, as the Father sent me, so I send you. And you go, what is the work? So God actually calls people to himself in order to become an army that will be at work on earth as in heaven. He hasn't just called you to be saved. He's called you to serve and to be a warrior. His disciple on earth as in heaven. Does it make sense? I mean, is that bad news for some of us? You know, oh shoot. Because he actually, he's actually trying to imply, he said actually, if you just take in knowledge in your head, you will never experience the knowledge that I have for you. Because my knowledge has two areas to it. There's a, an understanding, but there's also an experiencing. And you can't experience by just reading. You have to experience by doing. So you can know God's love and not know God's love unless it's worked out in you through you. That's why we have to integrate our heads and our hearts. And that's why for many of us it, it feels like we're only living from the neck up. Our hearts are numbed out and wounded and shut. And I've got good news for you because today you're going to be reminded about how to change them. So they never need be shut again. Which for some of us could be real scary. The most vulnerable part of your life, it's the place where God speaks most powerfully. It's the place where you will come more alive and be more free than you've ever known. How does God work? And what does he do? Well, they bring the sons home, and then we're going to, we read this metaphor in John 15 that Jesus throws in, which is very familiar about this vine and the branches and the fruit of the vine. In John 15. How many of you have seen vineyards? Do you know what they look like? They're really boring. They're all in straight rows. There's no freedom of expression, it doesn't look like. They're all in straight rows. At this time of the year, there's no leaves on them. But as the spring comes, what happens at this time of the year? Pardon? They're asleep. They're dormant. They get pruned. They get pruned in anticipation for the spring. Although once you prune them, nothing changes. They just look a little bit like me with a haircut. You know, they look tidier. But there's an element of, of they produced fruit last year. Why prune them? Why not just let them carry on? Because there's a principle in looking after vines, and we'll come into that in a minute. But the vine gets tended. So Jesus says in this, in this teaching that he gives, he says, um, what does he say? I am the true vine, my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so it will be even more fruitful. Do you hear what he said? I, the son of man, walking on earth, have a father in heaven who gardens me, and he actually prunes me, and I'm perfect. I am the revelation of God, and while I'm on earth, he prunes me so that I might be more fruitful. Because I'm entirely dependent upon him. And my character is perfect, and I don't need forgiveness of sins, and I still need pruning, and I still need a gardener. It's interesting that Jesus uses two great analogies for human beings. He says, you are like, you are, we are vines and we are sheep. Sheep left to their own resources get killed. They need a shepherd. And vines don't make it without a gardener. 
So one of the first things to deal with in our lives is that the one thing that God does not do when we, he calls us to himself, he doesn't say, go and be independent. He doesn't say, go and do it on your own. There's some of us who do everything on our own. I worship on my own. I talk to Jesus on my own. I love, live his life on my own. I grow on my own. I read books to educate myself on my own. And as far as I'm concerned, I'm quite self-sufficient. It's not Jesus, by the way, who does that. That's, that's you with issues. Because it's not the fruit of Jesus' spirit. The fruit of Jesus' spirit is always share. You need a gardener. And a gardener um, is not just you and me, you know, me and me and the Father and Jesus in my heart. I'm not that good. You'll see why in a minute. This is really cool, by the way, because it's so effortless if you get it. So he branch, he, 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 every branch that does not bear fruit, he prunes, it'll be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. So you're already clean if you've said yes to Jesus. He says, get over yourself, I, I've got you. He says, remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine, neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. So if I cut off a, a, a grapevine, if I cut off a, a piece of branch and I bring it in and say, I'm just waiting for this to bear fruit, what would you say to me? You're crazier than you look. You know that if I cut off a piece of branch and I bring it in here and I put it up, I'm just looking forward to bearing fruit. I figured if I brought it in here now, I wouldn't have, you know, I could do it in the comfort of my own place. And you'd go, no, it's got to be attached. You and I have to be attached. And we have to be attached to Jesus. And Bill told us about somebody who maybe didn't realize that, what that looked like. You know if you're attached and you know if you're not attached. He said, I am the vine, you are the branches. You get attached to Jesus. And then some people stop there and say, yes, I gave my heart to Jesus. And you go, oh, so why aren't you changing? Because I haven't actually allowed the gardener to get hold of me for years. So let's talk about gardening. Because it's real simple. Gardener looks for fruit. The kingdom of heaven on earth, the river flows from the temple, and the trees along its banks have fruit and leaves that give healing every month of the year. The kingdom of heaven and God's gardening does not yield fruit once a year. Fruit is released all year round. Which is very cool because some of us go, well, I'm just in a pruning season. <laughs> it's a little winter in my life. That's why you don't see any of these. In the kingdom of heaven, no, it's not winter, honey. It's your hiding. Because the evidence of the gardener is fruit. And that is the only evidence. Fruit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, healing. And it all right goes back to Jesus says, I know who I'm connected to. That's the fruit of him in me. And to him, I'm so grateful. Make sense? Yes. What, why is that good news? Because if you're not having fruit, then just get connected to Jesus and let the gardener get his hands on you. It's real simple. Well, uh, what does that mean? 
Well, it means that you can't grow your Christian life. And one of the ways of trying to grow your Christian life is trying to memorize the whole Bible and then quote scripture, which is as useless as going out into the garden and reading the gardening book to the roses. I don't understand. The roses just don't change. I'm reading to them this thing every day. I'm quoting the gardening book to them. You laugh, but that's what you do. Right? I declare over these roses in the name of Jesus, bugs be gone. Why don't you do something with them? Get your hands dirty. I've got some implements here for a reason. And they're not giving out to you and say, what are you, a hoe for Jesus? No, I'm a pitchfork in the kingdom. Or I'm a spade. Or I'm a this. Or I'm a... We could have had chainsaws here. We could have had a multitude of things. A whole lot of stuff for gardening. How many of you like gardening? Put your hands up. I'm not going to embarrass you. I just want to see your hands. Nice hands. Pretty hands. Palms waving in the breeze. All right. Have you ever thought about this? I was driving in the other day and, and it was just cool because this sounded like God saying, just look at these things again. This, let me take the two worst that I've got here, but I could have a chainsaw. That would be cool. I mean, do these look like um, implements of peace and joy? <laughs> do these look like things that are going to do some damage? Or do you think these things look like, no, this is cool. This is like cotton wads. Gardening implements are like weapons of war. You look at them all. They're implements of destruction. And I could, if I had sort of done my, my homework more, had a sort of bouquet of roses here and said, you use this to get this. You want to smell the roses? We'll dig around them with this. Are you getting a clue as to where we're going? Or maybe not yet? My father is the gardener and I am the vine. You are the branches. If your life is going to end up with fruit, somebody has to take a pick and a fork and a shovel to your life and a pruning to your life in order for fruit to grow. Because the expectation is that every son and every daughter who's come home will go out and be fruitful so that others can taste and see that the Lord is good. And others can say, I know you, and I know where you've been. And I see you now and I see where you are. And the difference is remarkable. You look like a garden that's been weeded and dug up and pruned. And there's a fragrance in you, an order in you, and a hope and a beauty in you that's pretty amazing. How did that happen? Well, I was tired of being a wild vine. And so I asked Jesus to be the gardener and his father to be the gardener. He began to work in my heart. Oh, I wish he would do that in mine. But I'm not spiritual. You know how God gardens? You know how he works the soil of your life? It's real simple. He just talks to your heart. Do you know who he uses? The person sitting next to you. Me. And you for me. You, know, you want to hear God in your heart and your life? Pay attention to the relationships you're in right now. You want to hear God pruning you, 
disciplining you, encouraging you. Stop making excuses for your life and start listening to what God is saying to you with everything that rises up in you every day. Stop blaming. Stop excusing. Stop justifying. Just let him dig around. And when he starts digging and something comes up, you'll know when you're attached to Jesus when you just say, Jesus, what's this about? And he'll tell you. And most of the time he'll say, relax. Trust me. You will hear God, I promise you, and accelerate your Christian growth. Oh, 500%, just doing that. You're not living from the outside in. You're letting him garden through the outside to get in. And you're taking responsibility for your life. And you start saying, Jesus, I'm attached to you. So how do you want me to respond? Because this is how I want to respond. And this is what I'm feeling. And he says, I just want you to know, because you've got some stuff that every time this happens, this is what happens. I think we need to weed this thing out a bit. And maybe we need to go back and talk about your life a little. Maybe there's some forgiveness that you need to work out. I'm not condemning you. I don't condemn you. I just want to set you free. But you keep on thinking freedom's going to come if so-and-so behaves. and makes your life easier. Or if you get another job. He says, it's not, because you're still there and you're still ungodden. So you still have problems. Am I making sense? God's spirit works very simply and very easily. Just pay attention. I'll give you a clue. Another clue. To get these every season. I, I agree with the sentiment about turn up at things. Because that's like coming to a gardening course. You just need to. But you want to get these things. Um, this vine is trained have you ever seen a vine that's growing fruit that's not trained onto an arbor? All the farmers everywhere in the world have arbors. Those are those supports of wire or they could be anything. Because they have to come off the ground. So what do you learn about vines? Which Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. That's your identity. You are sons and daughters who are vine-like. Vines cannot. It is absolutely impossible for vines to be... Self-supporting. They fall. They're not strong enough. They're not created that way. They're created to be supported. You and I are created to be supported in a vineyard. And how do vines hold on to other things? They grab them close. When we're talking about building a community and walking closely together, we're talking about being vines that are intertwined to support each other. And out of that will come fruit. You need each other. I need you and you need me. Turn to the person next to you and say, I need you. I know that might break your heart. And, and then saying, you need me. Believe it. You need me. Don't get sentimental. This is actually really, really hardcore stuff. This is not sentimental. When a, when a fork goes into the ground, it's not saying, excuse me, it's going to hurt a little. I mean, how many of you gardeners, how many of you had any passion or any comp compassion at all when you've put this into the ground? You don't. You just push it in, wriggle it around, so I'm going to loose you, you sucker. <laughs> Why should God not do that in your life? Why should God not say, I want fruit? So let's dig around a bit. Because I want to bring life into you. I want to break open the ground around you so that you can receive my love and my spirit. I need 
people to do that. I put people in your life that are going to be really irritating for a reason. They're the pitchforks. They don't know they're pitchforks and they not have to be, but I will use them that way. And I'm really tired of you asking me to get rid of them. In fact, I'm kind of wary of your whole whining about gardening. Just let me do it. Because from my perspective, I'm also really, I'm really tired of your fruitless life. And I know that you will come alive when you let me. Now let me give you one more thing about vines. There's one here. There's no fruit on this thing at all. A vine that goes its own way doesn't use the arbor. A vine that... Uh, you need to stay for this, Delphine. Eh? Uh, <laughs> no rushing out now. A, a, a vine that rushes along the floor, a, a vine that... Uh, does not go on the arbor. You know what it does? Um, it actually grows real fast. But on these vines are what are called, I don't know if one, this has got one here, suckers, uh, which is where, where they're meant to get the fruit growing from. A vine that grows along the ground puts the suckers into the ground. And what it does then is it actually nurtures itself. It draws sustenance from the ground and it actually never produces fruit because wherever it goes, it feeds itself. So there's no fruit on a vine that like goes across the ground. An unpruned and unsupported vine doesn't pr produce much fruit and if it does, it rots anyway. But generally speaking, it's getting sustenance on itself. So it can be attached to the vine, but not dependent upon it at all. It's very easy to believe in Jesus, but not actually draw anything from him. That's why when people say, yes, I believe in Jesus, you say, that's great. We're the grapes. Well, you don't understand. I've only been a Christian 15 years. Well, I would cut down a vine in two years if there wasn't any fruit. There is absolutely no faking in the garden of the Lord. It's fruit or no fruit. Something, please, a bud, something. You can tell the heart of Jesus. You can, you can, you can tell the, the gardener's fingers that are God the Father in people's lives very, very quickly. You know how you tell? It's just an attitude in the heart that says, I need gardening. And I'm so glad that I'm attached to him. I'm afraid, I'm nervous, but I, I need it. Humility is one of the first things. Humility and hunger are the first hallmarks of the gardener having breathed on that plant. It's very beautiful. It's very cool. It's very violent. Gardening around the Spirit of God is very violent. He loves you so much that he doesn't want to have some of the stuff that's growing in you and around you present anymore. He won't do it all at once. He'll do it bit by bit. And what the cool thing is, is that the vine just has to abide and let him do what he does. And you will tend to be catastrophizing it all. And you'll think the gardener's going to come up to me and he's going to take it all down. And he's going to go, I'll just do this today. And then next week, when you've grown a bit here, I'll do this. Because he loves you. And he wants to see the fruit grow. And many of us take way too much control over our lives. And of our Christian growth. Many of us run away from the very thing that God is actually saying, I want to do this in you. Because we're not uncomfortable because it hurts. Well, the pitchfork hurts, the spade hurts, the pruning hurts for a while. And the hoe hurts. And they're so sensitive. 
All right, you getting it? Is that good news? You see, what happens is you're not responsible, really. You just have to let him do it. And that's what living in the promised land is like. I'll give you one more thing and then we finish. A few things. If you, can, you can cut back the vine until... You, can, you could take a chainsaw to a, the, the main branch of a vine. You will not destroy it. Jesus can't be destroyed. Fruit only grows on new growth in a vine. So the growth last year doesn't bear fruit. That's why you have to prune it. It only grows on the new growth. The fruit of the kingdom of God only grows where he's fresh in us. That's why when he's fresh in us, there's power in the fruit that comes out. The old fruit, where we talk about it in our heads, but it's not living in our hearts, doesn't have the same impact. It's the fresh fruit that is full of passion. Passion fruit is pretty much the kingdom's fruit. So, let's leave it there. Questions to ask. Where are you drawing your sustenance from? Have you rooted yourself in the ground? And are there any things where you're rooted? It could be family, it could be children, it could be career, it could be hobby, it could be sport. It could be a myriad of things. The gardener will come and say, Chris, is Chris here? Can I mention what you told me the other day? It's not going to embarrass you. It was just a, you blessed me. It was, we were talking at lunchtime on Wednesday. You should come around for lunch on Wednesday if you don't. And, you know... I brought my TR6 because it's in pieces and it's been in pieces in my workshop for ages. And I thought, well, I know men. It's like fishing. I'll bait them. I'll put my car there and say, I need help. And it was cool because they get baited. But it was also cool because there's other people with all kinds of skills that can help me. And we can have some fun with it. And Chris goes, oh, I mean, you should see Chris on TR6s. I love TR6s. I love their shape. I love the way they... It really is very cool. (laughs) I've never seen him so poetic. But, you know... But the thing that was so cool was at lunch, and I'm not, I'm teasing him, but it's a very cool thing that he said. He said, you know, I didn't, I was, I love working on cars, but I stopped working on cars. My passion sort of died down because it was getting in the way of me and my growth with God. And we've been talking over the last few weeks and saying, what would it be like to have a men's ministry out of that workshop that is working on people's cars and maybe servicing or then helping them and just letting that passion come out and building men's, uh, gr- you know, growth together as well as doing something. And Chris's eyes sort of light up and said, I, I'm, I'm paraphrasing it now, but I'm really saying, you mean I could have a passion for God and also have my passion for my cars? He said, yes. See, God loves you. And he's not about to take away things. He just wants to reorder them. He wants to take the sucker out the ground and said, if that's nurturing you in the wrong way, I'm going to pull it out. But don't be surprised when you're trained up on the trellis again, you get it back in a different way. But that way will bear fruit. This way won't. And you're going to have to take that risk. When I came back into ministry, I had to be de-suckered and pruned to the bone. There was nothing left. And now everything is. I would never do it any other way now. Of course, there's a battle goes on sometimes, but not a big one. Because when you've seen the fruit and you've seen the product, you go, there's no contest. I don't want to go my way. I might start, but I won't want to pursue it because it won't bring any fruit. So as we share in communion this morning, I just want to invite you. There's no condemnation over this talk at all. It's an invitation to understand how God works and to realize and be encouraged that he's working in every single person here much more than you realize. But all he's asking is cooperation. Because if we allow him to dig around, our, our growth will be... Our growth is not in our head, it's in our heart. 
So if you want more love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, purpose, let him garden in you. And let him speak around you and in you through the people around you. And talk about it and see what happens. There will be fruit in season and out of season. God's love is manifest and sacrifice is manifest in all these ways. I, I, I don't need to flog this to death. <laughs>